This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello, Kevin Carlson listeners. It's Brian Com here with you again. I'm not with Elon. I'm not with Elon, but it's just me because, well, a little secret about the last show is that there was a third interview. And this isn't me telling you to go back and just listen really closely or play it backwards and you'll hear it. That's not going to happen. But lucky you, here it is now in bonus episode format. We had a lot of requests to talk about the Winnipeg Jets when we traveled around the NHL. So we did. Just keep in mind that this was recorded on the evening of Sunday, November 16th. So it's about five days old. But I have personally vetted everything said in it and it all still stands as it's important for you to know about hockey and for your fantasy pool. So without any further ado, let's get to it. Joining me from Vancouver is Garrett Hole. He is the editor of the Winnipeg Jets blog at SB Nation, Arctic Ice Hockey. He's also the managing editor over at the analytics site Hockey Graphs, and he knows a whole lot about the Winnipeg Jets, and I'm so happy to have him here with me. Garrett, thanks for taking the time today. No problem. Thank you for having me. Right away, dig into Andre Pavlech because I can tell people, and I have been telling people why he's no good till I'm blue in the face, but I'm getting zero support from the numbers he's put up so far this year. Seven wins, 1.99 goals against average, 928 save percentage. He's almost winning several games single-handedly, so I turn to you as one of the guys who knows the Jets and Pavlich the best. Help me out here and give me your best takedown of Andre Pavlich as a legit number one goalie in the NHL. So Pavlich is a very interesting case study. He has never put very good numbers up since uh, he's left junior. His numbers in the AHL, even though he did win one championship with the Chicago Wolves, that were an elite team that year, both in forward and defense. He did win uh, championships there, but other than that, he hasn't really succeeded much in the professional level, both in Atlanta, Winnipeg, and as a member of the Chicago Wolves. His numbers have always done poorly, both save percentage goals against average and wins. Uh, A lot of people will argue whether or not that was more of a defensive factor or whether that was more of him himself. But this year so far, the numbers have been excellent. He's probably the major reason why the Jets have been winning. If people don't know, the Jets currently have the lowest 5-on-5 goals for right in the entire NHL. It was Buffalo until yesterday uh, when Buffalo scored a whole bunch against the Toronto Maple Leafs. And so now the Winnipeg Jets are the poorest 5-on-5 goal-scoring team in the entire NHL. And the only reason why they have been winning for the most part has been the play of Andre Pavlik and also the Jets' ability to suppress shots. Okay, but it's not going to last, right? Well, here's the thing. Statistics are great for telling us how someone has performed, but these people are human beings. And I am worried of the idea that Pavlik could potentially have changed. There's a lot of discussion going on about the fact that he's 
come into shape and he's changed his style and there's all this talk. Now, this isn't the first time we've seen this. This is not the first time where we've seen a goaltender post good numbers in the beginning of a season who historically hasn't and then everyone starts talking about them being changed and then eventually they regress back to what they've been before. And this is not the first time where Pavlik has performed this well in a short span. Uh, recently, I did write an article on Arctic ice hockey called Have the Winnipeg Jets Goaltending Issues Been Solved? Now, this was after Pavlik had played 13 games, so there's been a couple more games in the sample. But what I did was I looked at Pavlik's history in sets of 10 games, and it wasn't uncommon for Pavlik to post numbers this well. I mean, it's still within two standard deviations of like what he normally does. He's done better than this before. He's done worse than this before. The thing is, though, that he's done worse more often than he's done better. And I took another goaltender, one who's well-known for being a pretty good performer, the King Henrik Lundqvist, and I showed their histograms, like basically the distribution of how well they perform in a set of 10 games, and showed that no matter what goaltender it is, good goaltender or bad goaltender, they all have streaks of good and bad. What separates a good goaltender from a poor goaltender is how often those streaks are good versus how often those streaks are bad. So really, the answer is Pavlik has played better, and Pavlik has played better before. Will he play better in the future? No one really knows for sure. Maybe he is better, or what I'm guessing, but I don't have any evidence, maybe he's just playing differently and just so happened to be playing well right now. And I've got Hutchinson taking up a roster spot on my fantasy team because I'm just waiting for the inevitable. But from what you're saying, it doesn't seem like a guarantee that I thought it was. And it also doesn't seem like the Jets coaching staff has any faith or intention in giving Hutchinson more than 20 starts this year. The Jets coach, head coach Paul Maurice, he has a bit of a history of riding his head goaltender. It's quite well known that the Toronto Maple Leafs under Maurice actually were a decent, not great, but decent possession team that didn't perform so well in goaltending. And Maurice did ride those goaltenders into the ground. Whether or not this is going to happen in Winnipeg, I can't tell you for certain. There is a lot of hope with Hutchison that he can be a solid goaltender. I always say that goaltenders are voodoo. It's always difficult to tell how they will perform in the future. But Hutchinson was, and he put up elite numbers in the AHL above 920. I know that for certain when you include both regular season, postseason. That's quite significantly better than, for example, Andre Pavlik, who is a 912 goaltender. So, yeah, you never really know. These things don't always translate. The goaltenders who are better in the AHL aren't always the goaltenders who are better in the NHL. But if I was Paul Maurice, I would be giving Hutchinson a lot more opportunity to show what he can do, given how well he's performed at the AHL level. Me too. I'm still going to hold that hope a little while longer. But let's rewind actually to something you mentioned in your answer to the first question about the Jets scoring. You mentioned their five on five scoring is dead last in the league. At all strengths, they're 29th ahead of only the Sabres. They're even like half a goal back of Carolina, who's in 27th right now. And I love loading up on Jets in my draft. And we pump up their entire top six on the show regularly. They're not delivering so far this year. So why isn't that core of Andrew Ladd, Brian Little, Blake Wheeler and Evander Kane 
able to make a little more happen at this point in the season? The Jets have really been suffering. I think it's a combination of both chance and also system. The Jets have been scoring a lot less per shot than they normally would. In fact, right now their shooting percentage is, I believe, a historic low for as long as five on five shooting percentages that I've looked back to going all the way back to 2007-2008. Do I really think that the Jets are basically a 4% shooting team, I highly doubt it. I think those numbers are going to go up. But one thing I have noticed is also is the one number that's a little bit more sustainable, the Jets' ability to produce shots has declined a little bit. And part of it is the fact that the Jets have been playing a lot more defensively. The amount of shot volume that they've been creating has gone down, but their shots against rates have gone down even more so as they've concentrated on a more defensive play style. And so when that shooting percentage does bounce back a bit, which I would put money on happening, you will see, though, that they may not score quite at the rates that they have been in the past. But just to like give you an idea... Not one single Winnipeg Jet, except for Blake Wheeler, is scoring at a point-per-minute pace typical or above what they normally do. So it's not just like one player is having a cold streak. The entire team is having a cold streak relative to what they have in the past. And while the past doesn't always perfectly indicate how someone's going to be in the future, I just find it very unlikely that that's going to sustain, especially how severely it's been diminished from the past. Yeah, looking at their shooting percentages, I, I can see what you're talking about. It even strength of shot numbers are concerning. They're in the bottom third in the league in both shots per 60 and in possession statistics. Let's zero in on Evander Kane because in that group, he's the guy who's let me down the most, whose tires I've pumped so much. He has only four points so far this year, just 16 points in his last 30 games since returning from the injury that kept him out of action for extended time last year. I've preached patience in all that time and there's been so many like weird storylines, very speculative and mysterious surrounding him and I'm not buying into them at all but I'm wondering in your opinion at what point do the alarm bells start to go off on his production? I don't think the point is as of yet. Now there is one concern that I've always had is Kane's best season was when he was with two players who've always been kind of underappreciated by Winnipeg Jets fans and NHL fans overall. Kane's best season was with Alexander Brumistroff as his center and Kyle Wellwood as his right winger. Those players were both guys who were not that flashy. They were not that stylistically great. They didn't play a very traditional game. But what they did have was elite possession numbers. And one thing that I've noted from Kane, and I haven't gathered enough evidence to say whether this is a trend that's true just for Kane or whether it's a trend that's true for all players, but it makes sense to me for all players. But Evander Kane's shot rates seem to be very, very dependent on his line mates' possession skills. And it seems to be that he scores best when he's with players who seem to push the play very well, which was kind of surprising to me because when you watch Evander Kane play, he tends to be the player that gains the end zone on his own, 
and basically scores on his own. But I'm guessing maybe that these players are pushing the play outside of the defensive zone and getting it to him in the neutral zone because he seems to score a lot of his goals on the rush, moving outside and around defenders from the outside and then getting a shot in. Nowadays, it seems like the Jets are trapped in the mindset that Evander Kane and Mark Shifley are the two guys to be together as a pair. It hasn't been going that great for them. It's been a lot better this year than years prior, but they haven't really been connecting on that much. They show a lot of promise, but it hasn't fallen in the results quite yet. One thing I would like to try, actually, if I was the coach, was maybe try switching Mark Shifley and Matthew Perot. Perot's always been an opportunistic goal scorer and playmaker, so maybe he can work well with Vander Kane. I've been interested in Perot since he was with Washington, and I feel like, well, first I felt like Anaheim was a good spot for him, and then he ended up in Winnipeg, and I thought that would be a good spot for him. I'm still waiting. A lot of the Jets players, like we're talking about, are struggling unless they're playing goalie. But, of course, Kane is the one that stands out. The other one that stands out the most to me is Dustin Bufflin. He's playing on the third line, right? Is he going to stay there? With Bufflin being on the third line, it looks like he's probably going to stay there, at least for now. Maurice seems pretty happy with having him on the third line. The Winnipeg Jets ice time deployment is not exactly typical. Normally, you're looking at a third line being somewhere between 11 to 12 minutes of five-on-five ice time, and Dustin Bufflin's right now sitting at around 14.6, which is actually more of a top six ice time. Jets are very, very light on their ice time for their fourth line. They're usually sitting around five minutes and then he makes the top three lines usually fairly equal kind of varies depending on how much special teams are going on if there's a lot of special teams going on then the lad and little lines are doing the uh, main penalty kill in the main power play unit so bufflin has been on the third line which cuts his ice time compared to when he was a top four defender but not quite as much as you'd expect for a third line winger i'm not a huge fan of the move i think Bufflin is a pedestrian forward. Not bad forward, but I think he's a pedestrian forward who had a fairly great playoff period with the Chicago Blackhawks. And people tend to focus on the short time of excellence as opposed to the greater body of work. That's what they kind of focus with Bufflin the forward. And then with defense, it's been almost the opposite where people have focused on a short span of poor play as opposed to a more long-term ability to produce from the back end. Buff was a 55-56% Corsi player with pedestrian to tough minutes somewhere in that range deployment and now he's basically an okay third liner and if you're looking just at a trade having a high scoring defenseman versus a pedestrian third line player I'd probably trade for that top defenseman nine days out of seven. Right yeah it looks like such an obvious decision to be made so I don't know if it's going to correct I guess people who own him in their fantasy pools are probably hoping for the same and I just want to pick your brain on the decor as a whole now that Bufflin is a forward it seems that there's nobody really there to handle the tough minutes and I'm wondering who steps up of Tobias Enstrom, Jacob Truba, and Zach Bogosian? Well, so far, it looks like the matchups have been pretty much evenly spread between the Jets' two top pairs. The top pairs right now are Enstrom and Bogosian, and then uh, Mark Stewart and Truba. Enstrom's always been a fairly great I think he's quite underrated defenseman. It's kind of interesting. I actually tend to think that Enstrom is good, but a little bit overrated for his offense, but very underrated for his defensive capabilities. I mean, he's a guy who's always been with 
Dustin Bufflin and what gets ignored is that the two have been playing on subpar teams, teams that have been bad in goal differentials and never been in the playoffs. But if you look at those two guys together, the Jets and the Thrashers actually had a positive goal differential with those two on the ice together over the span of four or five seasons. That's a pretty good thing to do with the way that the Jets and Thrashers were over that same span. Now he's with Bogosian, who, in my opinion, is not quite a number one defender, but the Jets look to using him as a number one defender now that Bufflin's been moved to forward. I think Bogosian's not quite, but somewhere near his ceiling of potential of where he'll probably end up throughout the rest of his career. Bogosian's kind of that type where you talk about the guy who has a lot of the tools, but not quite the toolbox. It's a bit mean for me to say, like, I actually like Zach Bogosian. He's one of my two jerseys, but uh, sometimes he's quite known for plays that give him the nickname Bogono. I think you can make an excellent second pair defenseman. I mean, when the Jets had their best defensive core, in my opinion, that's what his role was as a second pair defenseman who was taking a lot of D zone starts and pushing the play forward with his skating and his ability. Now they have on the second pair Mark Stewart and Jacob Truba, who, for Jets fans who remember, that was actually the Jets' third pair last season. So the Jets now are using their second pair defensemen for their defensive zone starts, what was before their hide and shelter unit. They've been destroyed in terms of shot metrics. They've been severely outpossessed and they've been severely outshot. Looking at last year, Jacob Truba and Mark Stewart did not perform that well together, but Jacob Truba did perform well when apart from Mark Stewart. And so there was a lot of thought that Mark Stewart was pulling him down. This season, Jacob Truba has been struggling both with and without Mark Stewart. How much of that is just his sophomore slump? How much of it's going to stay? And how much of it's just short sample? Difficult to tell at this point, but I like Jacob Truba. Looking at things like zone entries and zone exits, he's great with the puck. I really think that he's one of the guys whose offense is going to pick up in the next little while. He's very great with joining in on the cycle. When the play's gone down low and the players are getting a little bit trapped, he knows when to sneak in. I think one of the biggest thing that's holding him back is the fact that the Jets really don't have that fourth top four guy. Mark Stewart, ideally, is a guy that you want on the third pair, sheltered, using him more for intangible roles as opposed to trying to rely on him for big minutes. And until that happens, it's the Jets are going to suffer with having a little bit of a hole in their second group. Yeah, looking at Truba and Stewart on a player usage chart, they are dark red circles. And I would love for Truba to get a legitimate defense partner because I, I feel like I want to know what his potential is as both an offensive and defensive defenseman. We got a quick look last year. He was almost at a half a point per game, which was pretty impressive in his rookie season. And I feel like we're not getting a fair look now, and it might take another season or two to flesh it out. I'm going to go with one last question here, and it comes from one of our listeners. If you were to pick one of the following in a fantasy league for the rest of the year, would you prefer Blake Wheeler or Evander Kane? Evander Kane and Blake Wheeler are kind of similar Similar players in the fact that they both score pretty highly and they both get a lot of hits. Um, Evander Kane's always going to get you more hits if you're in a in a league that uh, gives you points for hits or penalty minutes. Although oddly, after only having one fight in his career, Blake Wheeler already has three fights this season. If your league is leaning on scoring, I'd probably go with Blake Wheeler. If your league is open to having both hits and penalty minutes and scoring, I'd probably lean with Evander Kane. Their scoring is very similar. Evander Kane's was a little bit better a few seasons ago. Blake Wheeler 
has been a little bit better recently. So that might make your decision lean one way over the other. I do think that Evander Kane has a lot more untapped potential. So if you're doing a keeper league, I'd probably go with Evander Kane. Okay, thank you, Garrett, for being with us and giving us the goods on the Jets. Now, I've been a close follower of yours on Twitter for a while. Where can our listeners find you on Twitter and on the internet? Uh, You can find me on Twitter. Uh, It's just my name, G-A-R-R-E-T-H-O-H-L. That's at Garrett. Hole. I do tend to tweet a little bit more on the Jets than other teams, but I do try to do some statistical analysis outside of just the Jets. Awesome, Garrett. Thank you for taking the time to chat with me today. No problem. Thanks you for having me on. And there you have it. That is your bonus interview in your bonus episode with Garrett Hull, who really knows his stuff about the Winnipeg Jets and generally analytics in hockey. He mentioned it already, but once more, his Twitter is at G-A-R-R-E-T-H-O-H-L. You can also see his work over at Arctic Ice Hockey and at hockey-graphs.com. I highly recommend it. And you can follow us on Twitter and let us know what you thought of this bonus episode at Keeping Carlson. We'd love to get your feedback. Thanks for listening, and we will be back with our next episode late Sunday night, early Monday morning. Speak to you then.